What's up, everyone, and welcome to the first official episode of a Mad World podcast. I'm your host, Luis Vela, and if you're listening, go ahead and make sure to follow, like, and subscribe to this podcast to help the growth. And today, we're just going to get right into it. Today, I'm joined by my very good friend, a very special guest, Luis Frere. Good to have you, brother. Thank you. Happy to be here, man. So we're just going to get right into it. So I want you to go ahead and tell the viewers or the listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you do. For sure. Yeah, I'll keep it short and concise. Well, my name is Luis Frere, as you already said. I grew up here in La Puente. Um, just uh, a master's student right now at Hope International University, playing soccer there and getting my MFT, which is Marriage and Family Therapy. I work with kids with disabilities at elementary schools and as an ABA therapist. Uh, basically, what I do is either at schools or in-home private home therapy, I go help kids with their behaviors, social skills, learning any academics, and it's a rewarding experience, but like basically sums up a little bit about me, you know, the surface level stuff. So with working with the kids, like what exactly do you do? Which kids do you work with? How do you help them out? How do you work with them? Well, the kids that I typically work with have either mental disabilities uh, or sometimes physical, but not necessarily that. Um, but let's say they have ADHD, autism, uh, just to name a few, and typically I work with them, going to the school, they need help with schoolwork, they need help behaving, I basically befriend them, you know, create a bond, and then guide them through their day. <clears throat> they obviously need redirection here and there. I come in, I tell them what they should do and how to do it, but it takes a certain skill or a certain type of uh, method when dealing with kids you know you can't just go in and tell them what to do like you have to be their friend and you have to say it in a nice way and you have to kind of convince them of doing it by telling them like if you do this you can earn this or if you do this first then you have the right to do this and it typically works with them you know like kids with disabilities aren't that different from your typical developing children and mm -hmm. that's what people fail to see you know like yeah. we're all not that different it's not really the differences that make us different it's more of the similarities that we have that we should focus on but that's a whole other conversation yeah and i'm sure as the kids you know kids are very honest and they'll make it known if they like you or they don't so how do you feel like these kids are accepting your help or if, if they're accepting the help do you feel like they're a little um what is it resistant towards what you have to say and what what you want to offer them at first or is it just okay you know i'll probably listen to this guy he's at my school you know he's here for a reason do you think those kids have that mentality where they know that you're coming in here knowing that you're going to help them out uh i don't think they're that aware i mean i don't think any kid really is like when you're coming in as a teacher like were you in elementary school thinking like oh this person's teaching me and i'm gonna learn from them you kind of just showed up because your parents told you go to school yeah, yeah and that's basically it like honestly if you ask me i don't remember anything other than being there but uh, with these kids, you know, with me personally, uh, I feel like I kind of have like a gift in a sense when working with children because I'm honestly just an oversized kid that's 25 years old. Uh, I go in, I, I try to be their friend first before anything else. I don't try to like command them and tell them what to do. I typically try to just tell them, this is what you should do and this is why, kind of explaining it to them and giving them reasons to do it and like rewards, you know. If you do this, you can earn a sticker. A lot of kids like, they're really reward dependent. So if you give them something, they're they're cool and they'll work with you. Yeah, uh, luckily, I've been trained by great people, so I've learned a lot and I just know how to go about it. And I don't come on too strong unless I have to. And well, luckily, I'm, I mean, as a guy, it's kind of easier. And this is like a female-dominated profession. So as a guy, I come in and like I'm the only male figure for most of these guy these kids in their lives. Mm. And 
well, I'd probably look scary to them. Like, three feet tall. Like, yeah. They look at me like, oh, this was a giant. I'm short as heck. I'm 5'9". No giant here. But they're receptive to it, you know? Like, they respect me. Like, oh, my God. Like, there's this guy telling me what to do. Like, I'm going to listen to him or something bad's going to happen. And obviously, I'm never going to do anything. But I'll use my stern voice. And it can be intimidating, even if it doesn't sound like it might be through this podcast. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. What led you into or what inspired you to get into that field of working with kids and helping people out with their mental disabilities or, you know? Well, the mental disability thing, like the psychology part of it kind of stemmed from myself. Um, Originally, I wanted to do criminology, like become a cop. But once I started doing like the cadets and stuff like that, or explorers, that's what it's called. I hated it. I couldn't take it seriously. I'm like, I'm not a serious person when it comes to that. Like, sometimes I am, but don't tell me what to do. I don't really like authority. I think everybody should figure things out for themselves. But... I digress. Um, it's just, I had issues myself, you know, ego problems, a little bit of depression and anxiety there. Just uh, my mind works in a weird way, thinking philosophically. So I wanted to figure out, like, what's going on with me. And that was a journey I took through psychology and philosophy. Eventually, I figured out, you know, doing it just for me got kind of boring. Doing it for others is far more rewarding. You know, this quote goes like, you live for yourself, it's kind of a whack life. And I'm paraphrasing here. But if you live for others, you know, that's the best life that you can possibly live. So I've kind of tried to embody that. Like, I, I want to learn more about the human mind and how to help others because then that's my contribution to society. Because uh, I don't want to be completely selfish. Like, a lot of my friends may know me, and in certain ways I can be. But this is kind of how I make up for it in a sense. But not necessarily why I do it. I just, I, I'm a people person. Like, I like helping people, you know. I like being there, talking, hearing them out and trying to give them my two cents and make them feel better. Um, I hope that kind of answers it. So basically what you're saying is you just want to help your society, your fellow humans. You want to help them grow, want to help them, show them, guide them in a better life and just help them out mentally. Just, that's basically what you want to do. So that goes to my next question. How do you feel you're, these, you're impacting these kids' lives and vice versa? How do you feel like they're impacting your life? Damn. That's a good question. Well, with me, like, honestly, I, I'll start off with how they impacted me. Because uh, originally, like, working in working with kids in the mental health field was never my intention. My intention was going in and working with adults. And um, one day I was just offered a job. You know, you want to go work with kids as an ABA therapist, which is a behavior therapy, typically for kids with autism. And they told me, like, go, you could try it out. And I was like, uh, I don't know how to do it, but it pays well. I'm down. I mean, I, I just got my degree in psychology, my bachelor's. There's no real job out there that can pay me well. At least this is making like 18 to 20 bucks an hour. Went, tried it out, had a few kids, and like... Had a few kids as in... No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't have <laughs> oh, I didn't like, hey, I didn't relax, know. relax, relax. As far as I know, I'm single, and if anybody has to come forth, please don't. <laughs> but anyways, uh, they're like... They, they assign me kids okay. to work with. So I go to their houses and I'm like working with these children kind of awoke the sleeping child within me in a sense. Uh, not that I'm not already kind of childish and playful, but they, they, they feed you life. Like they're, they're just love, man. Like kids don't mess around. Like they're real. They're kind. If you're good to them, like they'll make you feel better than anybody really. Like, uh, quick little example the last three months of 2019 I focused on playing soccer and I didn't really work much with children and it was cool like I did what I loved but now going back to working with children like 
I feel like a part of me wasn't being fulfilled through soccer and that kids are definitely like filling my heart with love for lack of a better term or phrase. So like they, they've taught me a lot as a person. They've taught me how to loosen up, they've taught me to just be myself and be real. Like kids teach you so much. Like I understand why parenthood is such a crazy experience. Yeah. And it's daunting. It could be scary. Like I get why people don't want to do it. Me personally, one day I'm down, you know, the right person. I'll, I'll try it out. And my child would teach me all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, I know I taught my parents a lot, but um, that answers to how they affected me, how I affect them. I mean, like it, it, there, there's this profession for a reason, you know, <coughs> I can come in and teach them things like some of these kids don't even know how to put on clothing so there's programs that we enlist like we teach them how to put on a shirt step by step every day just slowly kind of practicing it the way you would practice a sport uh, or an instrument or drawing like we come in and do the same exact thing and these kids can learn basically anything depending on their level because <coughs> there's different levels of obviously disabilities you know you've got your mild to moderate which are just kids that are kind of <coughs> held back sorry i'm gonna get some water real quick. go for it go for it <coughs> we got bronchitis on the show today i'm dying <laughs> i have kids sneezing and coughing on me all day i'm gonna get boogers you gotta be careful the flu's going around right now i'm heavy gonna, i know these I'm, i have it like for a fact these kids are killing me but it's cool because i'll survive <laughs> anyways um where was i Oh, yeah, the programs, we go in and we teach them things. like, And there's kids that have, like, mild to moderate disabilities where, I mean, honestly, sometimes you can't even tell there's anything wrong with them. They're just maybe they lack some social skills. Or for some weird reason, they don't know how to use the restroom, and you got to come in and teach them. And they're the easy ones to work with. But then you got your really severe kids, like moderate to severe. Now, these kids have, um, I mean, issues, you know? Like, these are the kind of kids that pull their hair out, choke you out, honestly, stab people, and do all these insane things, you know, and hurt themselves, run into the street because they're not looking both ways, or completely, like, they don't understand social cues at all. Like, you can't even talk to them or have a conversation with them because they're in another world, you know? You'll tell them, like, hey, how, so how'd you like the movie last night? And they just watch Pikachu, and they'll come at you with, like, oh, I like bacon, and talk about bacon for an hour. Like, it's insane. You're like, oh, damn, we're on completely, like, two different frequencies different and levels, pages. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, like, coming in, we... We change their lives, you know? We help them out, and if there's programs, and it's like learning anything, you know? Like, it's better than school, because school just, they just throw random stuff at you. Like, this yeah. is like a program specialized for these kids. And I come in, and I, um, I know how to do my job, and I know how to be a friend. So I think these kids really, for me, like, benefit more from my friendliness than my actual ability to do my job, because I kind of slack off, not gonna lie. Yeah. I go there to kick it with them more than anything else, and in my opinion, I feel like they value that a lot more because these kids are kind of alone sometimes. Like, yeah. They don't have friends. They don't have people that understand them or play with them or treat them even like regular people. Yeah. You know, everybody's always looking down on them or everybody's treating them like they're second-class citizens. And I come in and I'm just like, you and I, we're friends and we're just going to keep it like everyday people. Just yeah. so happens to be that sometimes I have to teach you a thing or two. But other than that, like, we're homies. And yeah. That's the approach I get. And I feel like that matters a lot because I know as a kid, I wish I had that kind of attention sometimes. And it felt like I didn't, but I don't know where that stems from. That's just like, <laughs> that's a completely no, different cool, thing. That was cool. too deep, sorry. No, it's cool. <laughs> it's okay, man. But with, crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But with, with the violent kids, like how you brought them up, 
that are going around, you know, not necessarily stabbing people, but you know, they're they're violent, they're hurting others. How do you work with them? Like, what how what what can you teach them that shows them that it's not okay to go around hurting <clears throat> people that isn't, you know, that it, it isn't okay. I mean, that can be a challenge, you know? Like, these kids don't always necessarily understand, like, good and bad the way we do. Like, they just understand. I feel like doing this and my impulse is telling me to do it. I'm all for it. So, <coughs> sometimes psychoeducation does come into play. Like, it helps teaching them, like, this is good, this is bad. You wouldn't like it if someone stabbed you, would you? Or you wouldn't like it if someone stole your stuff or broke your leg. <coughs> so, that's one way. Another one is just, like, kind of um, conditioning and training them. It's kind of something, <clears throat> it's going to sound kind of messed up, and, like, I apologize to anybody ahead of time if this offends anyone, but sometimes it feels like you're training them the way you would train a dog or, or any kind of animal. Like, slowly but surely, you're, you're kind of um, reinforcing a certain type of response from them. Like, let's say, instead of, slapping you or choking you or stabbing you with something they s just use the words like i'm mad at you you'll give them a cookie and then they know like oh every time i use my words instead of I getting get a physical cookie. i get a cookie get and a they kind of just clicks in their head the, again i'm sorry to use this animal an analogy but kind of the way the dog knows like so it's just basically getting reward the reward system yeah reward system that's conditioning it's like i do something good <coughs> i get something good out of it exactly that's exactly and that's one way that really works and there's a bunch of other little things but like that's basically like if you can learn how to use that basic little trick that's not all you need but you have a good foundation yeah on how to work with violent kids yeah you want to hear a story about how i the most recent story i have with the violent kid we just had a little episode at the school that i work with work at um this little kid he was just yelling on the top of his lungs at the teacher and I was just like, what's going on? Like, I was in another kind of classroom, I guess, or an attached little pod that they have. So I see this guy, this little kid screaming at the teacher. The teacher has back problems, so he can't really do anything. And he's just getting in his face. And I'm just walking up to this kid. I'm like, yo, what's going on? He's like, he took my book. I just want my book. You're ruining my life. And I was like, all right, this is getting a little hectic. Like, let me just take his book. And I took the book away and he runs to the phone. And he was like, I'm going to call 911. And I was like, yo, 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 relax. And I took the, the phone away. The kid is calling 911? Yeah, he's 911? like, I'm calling 911. I'm getting out of here. And I was like, relax. So I took the phone away and I just put it down. And I was like, relax. Like, just calm down. He's like, just give me the book. You're ruining my life. And he looks at the teacher. He's like, I hate you. You just do this for the money. I hate you. You ruined my life. And I was like, oh. So you can't say kids don't have that. Like mentality where they don't know what's going on in school, bro. They they know if the, he's more than aware aware enough to say you're doing this for the money and you're doing this for this and that. He's aware of what's going on in the school system. He knows what the teacher, you know. Like, yeah, 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 dude. Me and the teacher like we locked eyes and I just looked at him. And I kind of gave him a face. Like, and he really is just wrong. doing it for the money. That's his job, his profession. I mean, who knows how much he loves helping kids? Yeah, but I'm sure he started off loving it because he's been doing. He's he's five years away from retirement. Yeah, so I'm sure he started off like loving it. Yeah, but at this point he's just like, I just want to finish. Yeah, I just want to give me my, you know, give me my check and I, I paid my dues. You know, like I'm, I'm dipping. And yeah. I mean, it's understandable. Like, it, I wouldn't do it. Kids are tough to work with. That's why it's tough to be a parent. Imagine yeah. you're, when you're a teacher, you're pretty much the kid's third second year. parent, like or third parent. Like you sometimes spend more time with them than the te the, their own parents do. I mean, it is, it extends into when you're a grown up. You spend more time at work than when you're at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, your parents. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Your parents don't really ever really spend too much time with you. Well, it's, cool. it's a proven fact that after eleven years old, you don't, or I believe eleven to ten years old, the parents don't raise their kids anymore. They, the their friends do, whatever their friends are doing, they're gonna do. They're gonna do. They they don't mimic, but they gain those. Yeah, social learning. They, they yeah. pick up whatever they pick up whatever their friends. Yeah, environment, whatever. Yeah. So I mean. How old are the kids that you're working with? Uh, well, anywhere from first grade up to fifth, but typically like first through third. But the kid that had a little meltdown, he was in third grade. But look, I'll wrap up the story. So this fool was just like, oh, he he runs on top of the bookshelf, and he's like, I'm gonna break the window. He punches the window. Little eight year old punching the window is really not good. Yeah, it's not, it was yeah. the funniest thing ever. His hand just bounced off, and like the window did nothing. It didn't even shake. So I was like, well, I think you're plan has been foiled like i'm sorry so he just starts running in circles and i was just like about to grab him and the teacher's like don't grab him and i'm like ah, okay then what do i do and this food just runs through the door and he just books it and the teacher looks at me and he's like why don't you grab him i was like well you just told me not to touch him yeah he's like go run after him i was like oh, okay so this little kid's running around the whole school screaming on top of his lungs all the teachers come out then he starts running to the fence trying to climb the fence i have to like kind of climb the fence and block his path of climbing. So we're both like just climbing a fence, playing like weird Tetris or whatever. I was like, what is going on? I'm, and I was dressed all fresh too. It was annoying. I was like, I am not wearing the right clothes. Like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he ends up saying, I'm going to go kill Mr. So-and-so. And so how, he, does, how do you react to that when the kid is threatening somebody's life? Me personally, I keep it cool and collected. I'm just like, you're not down. You're not <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, yeah. so this one runs into the classroom grabs a pencil and menacingly just walks up to the teacher like i'm about to end your life so i kind of like sneak up behind him and swoop and swipe the pencil right out of his hand funniest thing ever because he just looked at me like you just ruined my plan yeah he starts running and in, in the classroom and trying to grab stuff and scissors and obviously like, a bunch of teachers came into the classroom we're trying to grab all the sharp objects and anything they can break and then he keeps threatening the teacher. He threatens his own life. He's like, my life's been ruined. I'm going to just kill myself. You know, this is it. And like, it, it took forever to sell him down, you know. Yeah. Finally, like, one of the teachers gave him a big old hug, told him to calm down. We told him, if you keep acting like this, we're going to call your parents. He mm -hmm. had a little breakdown again. But we got the situation under control. But he ended up getting suspended for five days. But basically, that's how intense their behaviors can get. Yeah. And he's not behind... Mentally. mentally i think it's emotionally where this kid struggles so do you think he's suffering from like depression and anxiety as as how old is he like 10 11 he's like eight bro. eight yeah it's crazy huh can you imagine being eight and dealing with that kind of emotion? I, all i remember from being eight years old is yeah i didn't like school but anything that happened there i was having fun yeah exactly. i would try to make it as fun as i can exactly no matter what was going on i would never threaten my teacher's life yes yeah, so, so i could only imagine like i can't even imagine actually like what this kid's probably depressed. I mean, that makes me question what's going on in his house. Like, oh, definitely. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Like, because if he's not mentally behind, and like you're the professional in the environment, so if he, you're saying he's not mentally behind and he's emotionally behind, like, what's going on at home? Yeah, I mean, it it, it could be like caused by the parents or whatever's going on at home, but it can also just be like a biological predisposition. You know, yeah. sometimes we're just. The depression couldn't be environment or it can just be biological. Like you were just genetically born this way. It sucks. Yeah. You know, something in your brain's off with this kid. It could be the same way. Yeah. Something might just be off in him 
and is why he deals with these things, you know? And that's why he's in special needs classroom. Yeah. Because he needs his special attention because he can't be in an everyday classroom. And I'm sure he is kind of like academically behind in some ways or else he, would be having, he wouldn't be in special needs classroom. But overall, like, I mean, you worry for these kids, you know? It's sad. Yeah. It sucks, but... That makes me think of this of this kid who I used to go to school with. He was in my elementary school, and um, his name was ironically his name was George, but um, he was very mentally behind. Like you would go up to him and say, "Hey, George, how's it going?" As a kid, he yeah. was like little kid. We're in twelve uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. The whole, those whole what is it six years? Yeah, you would see him and we'd be like, "Hey, George, how's you know how how are you?" Oh yeah, today's cool. You know, like he'd just be off in another world. And um, it's crazy because I saw him at LA Trade Tech because I did a semester at LA Trade Tech and I wanted to, I thought about going up to him and saying, you know, hey man, like, do you remember me? You know, we used to go to elementary school together, but another part of me was like, no, there's, you know, that he probably won't have a clue who I am and I'm just another stranger coming up to him. So in my head, I shook it off, but later on in the day, he comes up to me and he says, hey, Lewis, how are you? And I'm like, what's up George he was like you remember I was like you remember me and he was like yeah 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 he was like we used to go to you know so and so elementary together and I was like oh wow and in my head I'm just thinking this kid has come so far if he knows who I am or he must have been just trying to distract himself by by not having to deal with those specific situations as a child like he remembered me and I was almost 100 percent and confirmed in my head that he had no idea who I was. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I was just a ghost in his life, dude. Like, but he came up to me and said he knew my name, which surprised me the most. And he was just easily conversating with me, just telling me how his day was and how it was nice to see me and how he enjoys going to that school. And I was just so caught off guard. And I was like, wow, this kid must have had some either good teaching or some somebody like you in his life. Or he must have just his life must have just gotten better somehow. Like, like, how do you explain that? Like he was, he was in the special classes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if you put a kid in early enough to get like therapy, behavioral, psychological or whatever it is they need, there's, there's a chance of them. Like, I don't want to say relapsing, recovering, I guess. Yeah. They can get better. They can basically be, your everyday kid, you know? Like, just because they started off there doesn't mean they need to end there. Maybe yeah. they won't be... <clears throat> maybe it won't be as easy as it is for a typically developing child, but I firmly believe that like, it's not impossible for them to reach great heights. Yeah. And, I mean, with this kid, it was George, right? His name was George, yeah. He probably had to get therapy. Maybe his brain just kind of snapped out of it and he's got out of the haze. Like, you never know, man. Like, yeah. Maybe he tried some acid and he woke himself up Ooh, that could happen yeah you, you and i both know that yeah we <laughs> first-hand experience we yeah. both know that you can wake yourself up definitely through psychedelics the best oh so many things you want to talk about it i would love to talk about Let's it, do it. <laughs> i mean been waiting for this all year <laughs> i mean the last time you and i had a psychedelic experience together was when Last time we tripped out, I think three years ago, maybe. Was it three years? It, it's been too long. Two years. I'll give it two years then, the was most. Because even saying three was years. Was it when we went camping? Was that the last time? We, that was like we tripped out together. That was like the, that was like the peak of, our, relationship through, psychedelics. Like, but the last time we did was at Beyond, which was only like six months after. Yeah, but 
Yeah, I guess, yeah. But like, it's cool. Tripping at a, at a rave at a festival is awesome. It's but, a different experience. But tripping at a, a, a in nature. In isolation from society is way better. completely different. Yeah. Way better. We were, where, where were we? Kernville? Yeah, Camp Kernville. We were Kernville. And, uh, Near we the went Sequoia National Forest. The Sequoia National Forest. And um, <clears throat> nobody was uh, handling any heavy machinery, first of all. No one on psychedelics. <laughs> no one on psychedelics. Yeah. <laughs> Just clarifying that. Yeah, but... um. Don't we trip and drive, everyone. Don't, don't trip, trip and drive. Where were we? We were in the Sequoia National Forest, and um, we had taken an, a sugar cube. Yeah, sugar cube. Dose with LSD. Dose with LSD. Acid, for those who don't know what LSD stands <laughs> for or it means. And um, I remember the whole ride feeling very... It was an hour drive, was it? Like about 45 minutes to an hour to into the from our campsite to the... To the forest. To the yeah. forest, right? It was about an hour to 45 minutes. Yeah. So to clarify to everyone, like we went camping and the national forest, like where all the trees and stuff was at, was an hour away from our campsite. So we were like, oh, by the time this hits and we peak, we'll be arriving at the campsite. Not even peak. We By the time this starts settling in, we'll be barely arriving at the campsite because it takes about 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. So once it starts, like once the trip starts, that drive up there is like the warm up, you know? Yeah. And it was. And it was that very, was beautiful I, I remember drive. that whole drive up there. Maybe it was just being on a life high, but I was very euphoric. euphoric. It was beautiful. Just surrounded by nature, surrounded by the trees. These are what, 100, maybe 100 plus tall trees? 100 feet? Huge. Huge, it's humongous. The biggest trees you'll ever seen in your life. You could fit 10, 20 people in, inside in the, the trunk. In the trunk. It's, it's crazy. But um, yeah, we were, as soon as we stepped out of that, that car, I just remember feeling like I stepped into a whole different reality. I was automatically transported to another dimension. Into another dimension, and that was intense, man. I have to say that was like my not my first trip, but my first intense trip like that. Like I had done it before, but the dosage must have been very low. I wasn't. I was never a, a pro on how much dose I should have, or you know, I never cared about that. Mm -hmm. But that must have been a strong dose, man. Because I, I agree. Because as soon as I stepped out the car, man, I was instantly transported into another place. I don't know how it was for you. Like we were in the same car, weren't we? On the way up. Yeah, we had to have been. Like I, I doubt we would have driven in a different car. I think everybody that was on psychedelics was in the same car. Except Daniel. Was he with the girls? He was with yeah. For those who don't know, there was about eight of us, eight or nine of us, uh -huh. and. Uh, Pretty much for everybody that was tripping on psychedelics, it was four of us tripping on psychedelics. And then we had we had four sitters basically, mm -hmm. not sitters. They were just joining us on the trip. We were all in camping, but, but it just happened to be that. Yeah, day. it just happened to work out. Each one of us had our own trip sitter. <laughs> that was perfect. So it was you, myself, George, George, and Daniel, who were all tripping on psychedelics, and we get up to the forest, and I can instantly tell on all the looks on our faces. That something was different. <laughs> something mentally, chemically had changed. Yeah. And we were just on a different planet. But that forest was the most magical. The closest to Narnia I'll ever get. Oh, Let's put it that way. The closest to Narnia I'll ever get. Everything was so... The colors just pop. You know, everything. You, you have an appreciation for everything beyond what you've ever felt before. If anything, I would compare it to, like, 
the wonder you have as a child and the appreciation and fun you feel like everything is amazing you'll look at a tree and this is where Bella can hop in and you'll see some crazy stuff oh man I would look at the tree and this tree was alive literally I know I mean obviously I know all trees are alive but I could look at a tree and see it waving all the all the bark on the tree was moving up was going towards the sky and um the the leaves were waving there was no wind there was really no breeze it was a very clear day no clouds nothing and you know no rain there wasn't it was supposed to be a very clear uh-huh. day from what it felt like and i would look at the moss the moss is the one thing that got my attention the most for some reason because mm-hmm. i would look at it like a highlighter green and i was just wow you know i was so dumbfounded by just how beautiful moss moss looked the trees of course, always beautiful. I would walk away about maybe a hundred yards from the group just because I was so curious and just wanted to get so lost into the forest. I could hear George. I could hear George from a hundred yards away, like if he was whispering into my ear, telling me to come back. That that's some of the craziest stuff. Like the way your senses just kind of they're amplified by like a thousand. Yeah, just go on hyperdrive or whatever. Like it's just insane. Like, you can see, taste, hear, feel things that you've never felt before. Yeah. I remember seeing this tree that was cut down, and uh, the, or not even cut down. It had just fallen over. You could even actually hear the trees falling over while we were there. I don't know if you heard any. But really? Yeah, yeah. So you, you could, could get, like, it sounded like the trees that fell. Like, you can hear the playback, I guess you would call it. Like No, 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 no. That's not, not what I mean. There like, was actively trees being cut down there was trees actively being cut down or just falling and you can hear that and i could hear it dude like i don't know how far they were i couldn't see them but i could hear the you know how i mean people always say does a tree make noise when it falls and mm-hmm. there's nobody around i have to say it does dude like because <laughs> i wasn't around i'm pretty sure there was nobody around it didn't sound like it was anywhere close to us but i could hear it just yeah. and just land and i was like wow where did that come from and then eventually we were walking around and we came up on this big tree that had obviously fallen over and the, you could see the roots, the mud stuck in between. And I just remember seeing a black hole and being like, I'm going to walk through that bitch and I'm going <laughs> to get caught my, and I'm going to catch myself somewhere else. Definitely. So Somebody caught me, you know, pulled me back. So you don't want to get all muddy. And I was like, oh, sure, whatever. But I did end up touching the roots and I remember getting my hands extremely muddy. Like they were covered in mud. And this is where I kind of panicked a little bit on the psychedelics. For those who don't know, if you can't control your own mind in the peak state of a psychedelic trip, you it can go very, very, very wrong. Yeah. Things, things can happen even if they're not physically there. Things can manifest themselves into reality and scare the living shit out of you, bro. It literally could be the worst experience you've ever had in your life. Yeah, yeah. It could be 10 thousand times as traumatizing as anything you've experienced and it's and that's what was going on i felt like the the mud in my on my hands was traveling up my arms and was gonna drown me in mud so i yeah yeah and i told i told george because he had a water bottle and i was like hey george i need you to wash this mud off my hands right now i need it right now wash my wash this mud off my hands and he was like, you're fine, dude. He's like, what are, you, what are you tripping on? And I was like, the same shit you're tripping on, man. <laughs> and I was like, but I need you to help me out and just wash it. So he washed my hands. And just that little moment of him washing my hands, relief. I don't know what it was. I just felt the mud traveling. Like if it was alive, everything was so alive. 
we saw trees that were literally cut down, like the stump was still on the ground or the trunk was still on the ground, but they were cut down and I could see what the tree looked like when it was still upright. And that's crazy, man. I don't know if you remember the moment we had up in Dome Rock. <laughs> best moment of my life. Well, one of the best. Arguably the best moments. <laughs> one, of the best. one of the best moments of my life as well. That was insane. I'm, I'm like, I'm telling you, dude, like when we were, when we drove from where we were at, when we got the to Sequoia the Sequoia National Forest, we, yeah. we drove up to this little spot, hiking spot called Dome Rock. Not too far. Like, Probably like 30 minutes. Was it a 30 minute walk to yeah. the Dome Rock? It wasn't. We, 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 we didn't walk. We didn't walk. We, we, t- we, 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 uh, we, dr- we, we retook. Or we, uh, what is it? I don't know how to say the word. I don't know what the word is, but we retook the same picture like the Beatles had when they yeah, were walking on Abbey Road. We, we retook that picture on that trip. And um, we were walking back to the car so we can go up to Dome Rock. So again, nobody was driving that was on acid. But when we, for me, it felt like a 10 second drive. I got in the car and we were there almost instantly. But from what I know, it should have been like a 30, to, like another 30 to 45 minute drive. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't I know, because I know coming down from Dome Rock, it took like a while. To get back to the campsite, because yeah. we didn't stop at the, the forest. <laughs> no, we no. went straight all the way back down. So, so that's what I'm saying, like from the forest, from like where we initially peaked, kind of. No, yeah, we definitely Where we started, there. like the real trip where you said you saw trees and the mud started like absorbing you and stuff like that. From there to Dome Rock, I have no idea how much of a drive that was. Yeah, me either. Because the person operate the person operating heavy machinery, she was sober. Yeah, we were on another level. Yeah, no, we were nowhere close to sober. No, hell no, not even close. So the crazy thing is, like, we arrived to Dome Rock at least the bottom, and we have to like hike up. Probably what a ten minute hike. If if that, maybe if even that, less. Yeah. Like it was a very short hike. Yeah, a little stroll. But for me, and you say you don't remember this, but like I deliberately and i've asked everybody else and they say they kind of remember daniel says he does george says he does the girls say like they can verify that what i'm about to say is true so basically what happened was well, we're tripping and you know some people say that when you're tripping you know you, you can tap into certain spiritual superpowers like i don't want to say telekinesis but more like telepathy where you can communicate with others yeah, you're on a different wavelength. Like, yeah. Like, so, so like with your mind, you can communicate with another mind without actually using your words. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so what had happened was we were walking up to Dome Rock, and I swear that we were all in each other's heads because we started hearing some giggles and laughs and stuff. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And But everybody's dead quiet. And then one person says, well, I can hear you. And the other one's like, I can hear you. And everybody's just like, but nobody's physically saying I can hear you. No, no, no one's nope. talking. Like lips aren't moving. Like it's just all in our well, heads. Within the four of us. Yeah, within the four of us. They're like, oh my god, and we're like communicating with each other, laughing, inside jokes. We look at everyone else. They're all quiet. The girls are just dead silent. It was insane. Like at that moment, I was convinced telepathy and all these other possible powers that involve our mind are possible. Yeah. Like I completely have changed my view of the world like there is more to life than what we know what science tries to prove and eventually maybe science will get there yeah. but at this moment like if you think that those things are impossible like you're limiting yourself yeah you don't have to take psychedelics to know but for sure from yeah. coming from 
I mean, people would just argue that you guys were just high, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, and, and it makes sense. Like, and I get it, it. Yeah, of course. But that that's where I say, like, the girls that were with us, did you hear us speak or say anything? It's like, no, you guys were awkwardly quiet. Like, you just, just silent and walking up. And I was like, oh, okay, well, just to let you know. Like, we communicated telepathically. We were all having conversations. Yeah. So I was like, what? This is insane. Yeah. I want to do that again. And but, Dome Rock, for those who don't know, is uh, it's pretty much like a mountaintop or like a hilltop where you can see all the mountain range it's you could see everything from up there you could you know you're pretty much on top of the world that's what it felt like and um i don't know if you remember this but there was other people up there right or was i don't remember i remember seeing like maybe two people up there maybe maybe that that kind of seems a little familiar yeah i mean we were seeing people that weren't there well at least you were (laughs) i was definitely i yeah uh acid or lsd isn't usually like hallucinogenic or in a hallucinogen but um, there was. I'm guessing I was peaking, where I was definitely seeing people, not people, but I was definitely seeing a person. <laughs> what a, that was the most profound experience, the closest I've ever got to God, if I'm going to be honest with you, okay. was in that experience. Ooh, this is a question. Um, if if you're willing to answer this on podcast air, so due to that experience, do you believe in God? I believe in God. I just don't know if I believe in, re- like, religion. Okay, that's fine. Me neither. <laughs> okay, so do you believe in God? That's something I've there's, never asked you, actually. There's definitely... You have asked me. I just... Up until, I want to say, maybe a year, a year and a half ago, I was very atheist. I was on the atheist side where there is no God. There is no after this. There's just this, and then you're done, and then that's it. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I can't tell you what happened. You know, I grew. I don't know if my mind just evolved a little bit. But um, there definitely is a God. I just don't believe that God is human. Human. I believe that God is energy. I feel it. Same. I feel that like God is love. Yeah, I'm saying. That's it. That's as far as it goes for me. That just, you know, be kind to others. Even though sometimes some of us want to be dicks. Yeah, I feel it. Some people deserve it just a little bit. Just a tad. But God is love. Yeah. And if you want to get as close to God as you want, as you can imagine, just love one another. Just yeah. love each other as much as you can unconditionally without judging each other, without all this and that. But that's my point of view. I don't I don't know if you have any other I mean, dude, you you hit it the way I would, you know? Like I, I agree. God why would God be male or female or even humanoid in any way like almighty powerful being wants to be like us have you seen what we do like we burn everything destroy everything want to fight with everything for the dumbest of reasons so i don't know like i don't think that god is any way shape or form human the most human thing i guess i would say about god is that it's the energy like you said that flows through us like i agree with that god is energy the energy that flows through everything that we know of and that we don't. And I agree with the love thing, man. Because on psychedelics and other trips that I've had, like, that's one of the, the I don't want to call it premonitions, but one of, like, the epiphanies and, like, discoveries I've had. It's like, love is the answer. Yeah. Well, funny thing is, there was a tree stumps everywhere, like, has, like I was saying. And there was letters spray painted onto the tree stump. And I'm not really sure if I was sober, I would have seen something else. But those letters rearranged themselves for my, for me visually, they rearranged themselves and it 
literally made the word love. I remember looking at our friend Laura and I asked her, I was like, does it say love on that tree stump? And she's like, no, it's just a bunch of letters. And I was like, okay. And I was in that moment. I, I want to say maybe it was that moment. Maybe it took me a while to realize it. But that moment is when I realized, you know, love is the key. Like, you know, just love one another. That's God. It's yeah. the energy. It's positivity. Yeah, definitely. I feel that 100%. And I agree with you. Like, that's where I'm at in life. And that's my belief. And it, like, with, like you said, religion, I don't mess with it. Uh, it's done so many bad things. Like, I mean, the word is cool, but I think that we focus so much on, like, the title of religion. There's certain messages in there that, you know, like, don't kill one another and, you know, just yeah. all this yeah. stuff that it goes to show that, yeah, like, if you're kind to one another, that's just, you're going to get closer to God. Yeah. But there's just some things where religion talks about it just makes no sense. I yeah. don't want to get too deep into it, but. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. No, I feel you. And going back to what I was trying to say, is like, okay, there's this Guatemalan guitarist. His name is Arjona. And I'm going to say it in English for you English viewers, because I think you're all English viewers. Uh, he has a song called uh, God is Verb, Not Noun. And I'm like, that's that's the facts. You know, like, God is not Jesus or, or Jehovah or, or Krishna or anything that you want to give it a name. Like, God is the way you treat others, God is the action, the action. energy. Like, that's it. Why are we trying to say like, oh, my title is better than yours? Like, no, stop doing that and start treating each other better. Like, yeah, you're missing the point. Yeah. But back to Dome Rock, I remember being up there and just we hit a lot on the visual and the the physical of the effects on of acid, but emotionally, I was the most vulnerable I've ever was in my life up there. Okay. Because. <clears throat> All four of us, all, all eight of us experienced, all eight of us experienced something very, very profound when we were up there. The, the sky was clear. We were looking into the horizon, mountains on mountains, miles and miles and miles of nothing. And then it starts raining for no reason. The randomest thing ever. All of us, yeah, we were up there raining. Raining a moment. at the peak of what we were all experiencing. In summer. This was September. This was it September? It was September, dog. It was near my birthday. We went for my birthday. Yeah, that's right. We went so, for your birthday. Mid-September, raining, in like Sequoia National Forest. Like That wasn't going to happen. That wasn't on the forecast. Like, we're mm -hmm. up on Dome Rock. That didn't just happen to the people that were on psychedelics. Like The girls that were sober felt that same thing. And they, they felt what we felt emotionally. emotionally. Like, yeah. Even though we were on, we were, one of us sober, one of us was tripping. We all felt the same exact thing. We felt love. Yeah. When the rain came down, we all felt united and we felt together. Mm -hmm. And everybody started crying. Everybody. Everybody. Started everybody. Like tearing up. It was just. I mean, I had my own reason for tearing up, but everybody, even if <clears throat> they were just looking into the horizon, there was just something so emotional, so profound, and so touching about that experience. Mm -hmm. Being there with your friends. And just experience something so beautiful. It was very beautiful because it wasn't supposed to rain. It was literally the whole sky was filled with clouds at that moment, and then not even two minutes later, clear, yeah. clear as day, man. Just yeah, it was just a quick little like kiss from God, you know, a little gift from God. It was just like here, just I'm real, like 
Let me show you a quick little miracle. Let me bring you guys together and show you what love and family is. Yeah. And go from there. I remember, too. I was like, I swear, I, it made me think, like, I, I unlocked the secret to life. And I was having, like, a weird little moment where I was like, oh, my God, I'm God, and I feel this. And I, like, it was a weird little experience. But basically, what I'm trying to get at is, like, that moment kind of opened my eyes to, like, friendship and family. Like, yeah. not that's something I didn't already know, but it, it's different when, I, like, it feels like a higher power is telling you, like, this is the most important thing on this planet, at least to me, you know, yeah. friends and family. I agree. They make the world go around, you know? Like, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be with you. And like, moments like these, like, I, I get to spend cool moments with my friends and sharing these experiences. Like, that's what life's about, you know? Like, sharing these experiences with each other. I agree. And then, I mean, experiencing what you went through on the ride back down, <laughs> the one thing you were most worried about was your family for some reason. And my dog. And your dog. <laughs> that, 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 that cracked me up. He was... For those, I don't know if you want to explain it or I think it best it's best coming from you. Yeah, yeah I think it's best coming from me. <laughs> so basically, we went up to Dome Rock. We had our little experience, a little moment. We came back down. So we're obviously going to go drive back to the campsite. Uh, if I feel claustrophobic or for any weird reason, like trapped, I start freaking out and I start panicking. And the drive down like everything looks the same you know to your left you see the hillside to your right a bunch of trees it felt like i was stuck in a loop and i started panicking and saying a bunch of stuff and i just asked like where's my mom where's my family and like is everybody okay <laughs> the funniest thing to me was when i said where is maya <laughs> and for those who don't know like i used to go out with a girl named maya but i didn't want anybody to think like that's who I was referring to. Like, I was referring to my dog because, I mean, I, for those I mean, random little fact, but I love my dog, and my dog was named Maya, and she was, like, my favorite little thing on this planet, but she passed away. But, like, she's one of the things that I was worried most about. Like, is everyone okay? Like, anytime I trip on any psychedelic, like, I think, is are my family members okay? And <laughs> this is where Bella could probably give you his two cents on how he felt about my experience because I was annoying the shit. <laughs> he was stuck and what he said was a loop. He was I was also stuck because of him. Because of him. And that what's what was like about an hour, maybe an hour and a half drive. Yeah. I was stuck at four twenty three for about an hour. Just I was stuck in a minute for almost an hour because he gave me so much anxiety and he was wearing so much. He literally took off his seat but we were in the back seat. Took off his seatbelt. The car's going full speed. Not full speed. 45 miles an hour. Lethal enough. <laughs> yeah. Very dangerous if you, you, if anything were to happen. The car is moving. And he takes off his seatbelt, opens the door, and he's trying to get out. And I'm like, oh, what, like, what are you doing? And I immediately grab the door. And in my head, I'm like, this, you know, you're pretty, you're, at the time, you were stockier than you are now. Yeah. So I was like, this guy, if he wants, he can get out of this car. <laughs> so I'm trying to, boom, hey, what are you doing? The car's moving. I mean, luckily your common sense kicked in and was like, you were okay, you know, yeah. and let me relax. But he gave me so much anxiety. And to this day, I kind of blame him a little bit for a little bit of anxiety that I deal with to, like now because I have never felt anxiety till that moment. And I blame you for for that. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I mean, it hasn't happened in a long time, but whatever. But oh man, back to how it impacts mental health. Like that little moment very impacted me. To this, not to this day, but until like very recently, like I would have every time I would get in the car with you, I would need to pee. We could always test it out right now. You can literally <laughs> go into your car right now and <laughs> test it out. Maybe not though. You got a new car. Yeah, I don't you even know, know if I can go home. Oh, <laughs> you don't even know how to drive. Struggle. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I recently got a new car, uh, 2020 Subaru WRX, but. Flex. For someone, right? For some weird reason, I got it stick shift. And I don't know how to drive stick you shift. You don't know how to drive stick shift, man. But I'm about to learn. I got here. So that's something. 45 minutes late. <laughs> it's like a 10 minute drive. It's not even a 10 minute drive, man. It's like five. Yeah, okay, 10 minutes. You got here 45 minutes late. Hey, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're here. That's all that matters. But and this is yeah. a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> it was so funny, man. Like, and we got back to the campsite, and you couldn't even wait until we got back to the campsite. We both got out, like, two minutes outside of it, and we kicked it like in this little what is it? Um, what are those things called? Like people that. Uh, Where you store? No, 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 no. Um, you know how people stand in this when they're getting married? It's like a. I have no idea what that's called. Yeah, I don't know what it's called either. But it's like this little, it looks like a birdcage. But okay, so we stood there. Or? No, no, we we laid in the grass in front of it. Oh, you're right. We were just chill. And, and we were chilling like, there for like thirty minutes. And I'm not gonna admit, I'm gonna admit that I was still a little high off the, off, the, like, off the LSD. But I was glad we chilled because I had major anxiety. We were about to go see your mom and, and your dad and all of them, and we were like. This is not gonna end well. This is not gonna end well. We just get back into the into the campsite with everybody. But that was a whole that was that a, was a whole experience in itself, man. Definitely recommend for those of you that are strong willed and minded, but And if careful. you're an adult Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Adult. You Maybe know, I you shouldn't be recommend an adult. it. Yeah, don't I mean I you're can. gonna try what you're gonna try. If you're curious, you're curious, you know, just be safe, make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure you're in the right environment. Set and setting is the main thing. Set and setting. If you're in the right mental state and if you're in the right physical state and you find yourself in that situation, good luck. Yeah. What well, true. And just uh, do your research. Yeah. Do you, definitely do your research. Make sure you're in a good place because what you feel and what you're going through will manifest itself and amplify like crazy. If you are feeling sad or depressed, you're going to feel 10 times worse. So yeah. be careful. Yeah, that's so true. Oh, man. So many other things we could talk about. I know. Australia is undergoing the worst natural, or I don't even know. Forest fire. I don't even know if they're natural, actually. Yeah. I I know know some of them. Actually, somebody got arrested in Australia for arsony. Okay. Because they started one of the fires. I heard about that. A few people did. Yeah, a few people got arrested, correct? And. They started some of the fires and, um, well, what happened recently was two of the biggest fires in Australia happening right now formed together and scientists are calling it a mega fire. I'm sure some of your kids at school could come up with a better name, (laughs) but they're calling it a mega fire because it's the biggest fire that, what is as the biggest fire that a natural fire can lead up to over a billion animals have died. Uh, I believe 20,000 homes have been destroyed. 
and I believe like around 30 people have been killed because or have died because of the fire. Mm-hmm. Right now, people are staying on beaches. They're staying as close to the beach as possible. They're staying on boats. Animals are going extinct. People, uh, scientists, professionals are saying that that could affect the world ecologically just because an animal goes extinct. That affects a lot. Yeah. This whole ecosystem. Because one, it's like a domino effect. It affects someone else's food chain, which affects someone else, which affects us. And yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So if you don't know, I mean, there's there's a website up. Um, I'll probably leave it in the description of this episode. But um, you go ahead and donate 50 cents, a cent, whatever, whatever you can to Australia to help them to help the zoos actually to cure or help these animals recover. I know koalas are in a very bad situation right now. Most of them are burnt. They can't even reproduce. Some, most of them are dead. Sad to say, but, um, there's also a organization helping rebuild those homes that are lost. And yeah, just keep an eye out, man. We gotta, we gotta do something different. Show your support, you know, in some way, shape, or form. You know, we always trip out on like, the most useless stuff, but this is big, man. Like, it was the Amazon first, or from what I know, it was the Amazon first. Yeah, Amazon burned, got a little bit of coverage, but no one really cared. You know, no yeah. one did anything. And you know, okay, you know what pisses me off about all this, like Bernie said, like we as people take advantage of it, as in, like, oh, we can build on this land now. Yeah, like there's the world did it for us. We can build where these trees were we can just yeah. build buildings and little cities but that's not the point the point is without those trees there's no air to breathe yeah if you have no trees trees are the main source of life i believe uh phytoplankton actually but you, what trees is that plankton so, yeah phytoplankton so like they also kind of do a similar thing as to photosynthesis and create oxygen <coughs> through absorbing the carbon monoxide i think or dioxide in the air so that is actually the main source because there's more ocean because then there is land then there's land but trees come in a strong second yeah oh well from what i care <laughs> trees <laughs> trees 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 man <laughs> yeah i don't know man we just we need to change the way we're we're living or something yeah, but we don't take care of this planet man like we don't care like we just whatever immediately gratifies me that's all i care about yeah and that's messed up you know? it's it sucks and I think a lot of it has to do with, like, technology. Because, like, yeah. when I say immediate gratification, like, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, texting and Instagram and all yeah. this. Like, Social we, media. We love it because instantly we get someone messaging us or telling us stuff, and that makes us feel good. It makes us feel like we have attention or important. It's the fact that people can get a reaction instantly, almost instantly. As soon as you put something out there, you can get a reaction. If we, build, if we plant 100,000 trees somewhere where nobody knows, nobody cares. It's going to take forever, too. So it's like, it's not going to happen in my lifetime, so what do I care? Exactly. It takes, those planets going through a lot right now. Yeah, we use way more resources than we're, we're planning on, like, reproducing or or making up for, you know? Yeah. And we're just destroying. And we keep reproducing, and we keep, we keep, more people just keep bringing more people and more people and more, more people. Problems. It's like, more people, people say more money, more problems. I think more people, more, more problems. More problems, definitely. <laughs> oh, man. Money never pissed me off. It was the lack of money that pissed me off. People pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people just... I mean, I'm not going to... I'm going to speak for myself, too. Like, I, I obviously did... Some, we've all done something that hasn't helped this planet. I mean, I've thrown a piece of trash on my window once. You know, obviously, littering doesn't help. 
saw a video where this uh, there's pretty much a river of trash. I think I told you about like this. Like India, no? Like somewhere around there. I don't know where it was. Could have been in the States. But there was a river of trash. River of trash. You know, anything you can think of. And this guy recorded the river. And I guess the first thing that comes to his head was, I didn't see one straw, guys. Good job. <laughs> straws. Yeah, straws kill turtles. And I feel bad for the turtles, but you guys need to do more than, we need to do more than just straws. Straws. Yeah. People say, oh, well, Chili's doesn't give me a straw anymore unless I ask for it. Doesn't matter. Somebody else is making up for that. Yeah. 30 times, 30 more. times more. Yeah. Yeah, like with my new car, um, the gas mileage isn't that great. <laughs> but one of the one of the things I think about is like, you know, I care about the environment. You know, I'm aware and conscious of it. So, but at the same time, I'm like, even if I got a fuel like a fuel efficient car, there's companies like it's not even people in general. It's the companies with these big old factories that burn and create more like CO two emissions than all of us combined. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, even if all the regular people, your everyday people changed, like it's the people that are in charge, you know, it, it, it's a collective effort. That's yeah. really what I should be saying. I shouldn't be pointing fingers at one person. But Let's put like Elon Musk, for example. Okay. He's making Tesla's electric powered cars, you know, should put no, what, no, no emissions, no yeah. emissions into the planet. But at the same time, he knows that it's, too late so he's planning a trip to mars honestly huh he's basically like I'm he, just he knows making money so i can dip yeah he he he's not that he's he's gonna leave by himself mm -hmm. but um he knows that the next step is only to go somewhere else and repopulate and restart and what are we going to be known as as the race that goes everywhere and destroys everything. and destroys everything we're basically going to be space vikings yeah or exactly. pirates yeah i mean just because you're moving somewhere else doesn't help no, no. We have to change the way we act, not where we live, you know? Yeah. But I doubt it, yeah. you know? Like, I'm going to just live my best life and wish for the best, yeah, you know, for I my mean, family. That's all you can do, man. Yeah. All right, bro. Well, it was great talking to you and hearing about what you got going on in life and your views on, on life. So let the people know where they can find you at, where they can follow you. For sure. Keep yeah. up with you. Yeah, definitely. Well, if you guys want to follow Instagram, the handle is uh, at King Louis Seventeen. That's a uh, at K N G underscore L U I underscore X V I I. Hopefully that wasn't too fast. Try to slow it down at the end, but yeah, follow me. All right, bro. Well, to all the listeners listening, go ahead and subscribe, follow, and like this podcast. Let me know if you guys want to hear anything else on the next on the next episode. And thank you for listening. Hope you all have a great day.